Welcome back, listeners, to the Banter Podcast. I'm in the beautiful city of Auburn, Alabama, all alone. But with me virtually is Jacob Smith from Memphis, Tennessee. How are you, Jacob? Hey, hey, Greg. Everything's going well in Memphis. How are you in Auburn, besides being alone? You know, doing all right, making it. Do you know all of the blues now? I don't know all of the blues, but I have picked up quite a bit of barbecue. Mm, And a couple pounds with it, I'm sure. I actually lost a few, but (laughs) that's mostly because I needed to. Good, good, good to hear Davis Johnson is live from Athens, Alabama. Yes, I am. How are you, Greg? Quite well. Quite well. Well, by now all the listeners know how this thing goes. First, we're going to start with our bold claims. And let's go with Dave to kick it off today. All right, guys. Buckle in because here we go. We should replace guns with swords. I want that to be all that's said. <laughs> well, let me elaborate. All right, moving, moving on. <laughs> Okay, so gun violence, it's bad. Guns are dangerous. Um, see, the thing, here's my thinking of how we should replace all guns with swords is you can kind of sneak up on somebody with a gun, but it's much harder to sneak up on someone with a sword. And it just feels like a much more like a friendly way of fighting somebody. Like there's some pomp and circumstance in a sword fight. There's some gentlemanliness in a sword fight. It's a much more personal form of combat, so I think we should just... Go back to swords. I think that'd be better. You know, I think that that may be wise because there's a big difference from shooting someone from like 10 yards away. You know, you're not very personal up in there seeing what's happening. But if you stab someone with a sword, you're going to have to make darn sure that that's what you want to do. Because there are going to be some serious immediate repercussions, as in their blood will be all over you. I feel like, you know, sword violence... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of complications with sword violence, but I feel like they're all complications that are probably better than complications with gun violence. If you think about it, you know, you're going to have to write some laws about whether you can open carry your sword or whether you'll have to keep it sheathed. But, like, besides that, I'm, I'm for it. And also, uh, the, like, statistics of, you were, like, statistically have a higher chance of committing suicide if you have a gun in your house. But I don't think that would translate to if you had a sword in your house because I don't think there are many uh, sword aided suicides. Sword sides, I think they're called. Oh, well, maybe I was wrong on that point. But um, I mean, that was a joke. It was a funny <laughs> joke. I thought <laughs> it's just so dark. It was. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I've said all I need to say. We should replace guns with swords. Now, my question is: Are you going to approach all the gun owners with like a, an armory of swords in your truck? And you say, hey, I'm going to take your guns from you, but you can pick your pick of the uh, litter here. Is that what, how that would go? It's kind of like, um, you know, in the second Lord of the Rings movie in Helm's Deep, when they're just handing out swords to people and, like, the kids because there aren't many of them. Yeah, I recall that scene. Basically like that, but just they give sword guy a gun. <laughs> Wait, sword guy a gun? Like sword guy, deliverer. Of the swords, the man with I'm imagining a very large wheelbarrow full full of swords will be handing them out, and as he hands you a sword, you hand him a gun. Oh, I see. Okay. I think okay. I think I've got this. It's like some kind of buyback program, but like instead of giving them money, you give them swords. Yes. You know. Base. That's basically what it is. Uh, Dave, if you want to draft a letter to our congressman oh, okay. tomorrow, I'll uh, I'll maybe that'll work. Yeah, I think so. Um, it feels fairly foolproof. 
I think Jeff Sessions is a listener, so uh, he'll be sure to check his mail, I'm sure. He is one of our tens of listeners. <laughs> All right, Jacob, <laughs> what is your bold claim this week? All right, so guys, I've been in optometry uh, school for, let's see, this is starting my fourth week. And, you know, I've got some of this material. It's kind of difficult stuff. But a lot of it, like, at least in the initial weeks, like, I'd seen remnants of it before. And that made me realize, like, maybe I should have just, you know, the stuff I learned in Auburn just kept remembering it instead of having to learn it over again. And that kind of got me on a broader scope where I was like, maybe just everything in life, we should just keep remembering it. And that's really my bold claim is it's just we should just remember everything that we have forgotten. Do you have any solutions to remember these things or just think that that should happen? Um, more like more or less, I feel like we could just continue a life of learning, like maybe make some note cards about some stuff that we felt was important in our life and just look over it every now and again. Supposedly, if you do that for a while, like, I don't know, this isn't really the tip section. So this isn't the place for this. But like, you know, if you just look over some stuff every now and again, it'll keep in your memory. Then it'll go to your long term memory and you won't forget it like your phone number. But you know, I don't know. It's just there's a lot of stuff in the world, and we've already learned a lot of it. I just feel like we should remember all of it. Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I kind of – well, it works for me. Like, I'm bad at remembering things, so I try to remember where I can find that information. So all I have to remember is, like, where a set of information is, and then I can go find it. But, I mean, I, I probably could remember more stuff. That'd probably be a good thing. I feel like the, what you're talking about, Dave, is like you've got all like your your memory treasure, and you've just buried it in places that you have on like a map. Then the map is your brain. So like you just look at your brain map, and you're like, all right, I can go get my treasure about psychology in this, you know, place. Is this or, like a oh, Sherlock meant, Holmes kind of thing? No, I meant more like Google. I, I thought need, that's what I you need meant. to remember this. I'm going to write it down and remember where I've kept things. I need to remember written down so I can go find them again. Oh. I, didn't I thought you I meant some, like, like brain skill. <laughs> I thought you meant that you could just like had a like a favorites menu of of things on your on your web pages. That's what I was thinking, like a bookmarks bar. Yeah, like a bookmark. <laughs> I mean, in you real life, yes, yeah, just not in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. I think you had well, it all figured out there for a second, Dave. I was impressed. Yeah, that, it reminded me very much of Mr. Sherlock Holmes. That's a great mm-hmm. show. It is. It did quite well at the Emmys last night. I don't know if anyone anyone watched that. But. I didn't. I didn't, but well, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that. People won things, so that was exciting. Um, my bold claim kind of goes along with what Jacob was talking about in a way, simply because I have been in college for four years now. This is my fifth year. So I, when I go to work, however, a thing that I kept hearing over and over again was that they don't expect me to know anything. That's what they said. They said, don't be afraid. Like, you're going to be expected to know all this knowledge. Don't worry about that at all because when you come in, we're just going to, like, teach you everything you need to know. So that got me thinking, why the heck did I just go four years if I'm not expected to know anything? You know? So maybe Hmm. we should implement this master protege system from back in the day. Like, to become a doctor, you just study under a doctor. To become an accountant, you just study under an accountant, you know? I think that would be way more efficient. There's no waste of four years of your life where you're at college just to get a degree so that you can go and learn what you actually need to know. 
because that seems silly. I think that's revolutionary, Greg. Wouldn't you say that college is kind of like that, but there's multiple masters? And that that might be better because then you... Because a single individual is going to have biases and going to have their one way of going at something. And then with the college system, you are under multiple masters, so to speak, that each have a different angle. So you get a more rounded kind of thing. I'm not saying college is perfect. I think it could be more hands-on. Perhaps, but... Like I'm saying, instead of going to college for four years, I could have just gone directly to the accounting firm and maybe done rotations with all the partners because then you are studying under different people. You're learning on the job. You're learning what you need to know instead of like, you know, ethics is great and all, but you could just learn how to be ethical on the job instead of studying way back in the day stuff. See, that's kind of what engineering does with the co-ops and stuff. Yes, indeed. But then again, they still have to do their entire four years. Sure. And then it's prolonged even five years. And then... They at least start to get... With what you're saying, you'd also, I'd assume, start getting paid earlier, which is nice. Which is uh, positive, for sure. Tell me about it, guys. Tell me about it. Oh, what? I was just saying, I'm going to be paid last out of all three of us. Yeah. Like, it's a thing. That is a thing. One thing... I do like what Dave remarked on, and that's kind of what I get, I guess, in this program a little bit, is like the the multiple masters kind of thing. But also, to like reinforce Greg's point, the first four years, like maybe I needed just a little bit of, I don't know, I needed a good bit of the stuff I needed at, like learned at Auburn, but really I'm not going to use most of that in what I'm doing. Exactly. I kind of get, so, get, get where you're coming from, because now I'm going to have to do four more years to learn it. All right. It's frustrating to look back on your four years in like maybe five years from now and think I have used maybe 10% of what I've learned in that entire five-year program. That's going to be frustrating to me. I feel like you also have a different angle on this because y'all are both in post-undergrad, graduate, and doctorate <clears throat> courses. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there are some some majors where you'd come out knowing exactly what you needed to know and probably employ all of it. Like that's, I guess, kind of do have a slant on that. That's true. But anyway, that's enough on these great, bold topics. We are going to step away for a brief intermission, and we'll meet you right back here. And welcome back. We are now moving on to the main topic section. Is that what it's called, guys? I kind of forget what we call this section. Uh, Supported claims. Supported claims section. That's what we're doing. Okay, beautiful. And with that discussion today is Dave. Okay, so I'm going to jump off of my bold claim from last week's episode where I said that Mike Rowe can make America great again. And I said that Mike Rowe can make America great again because he supports a focus on um, people not all just going to college and some people instead going to a trade school or, like Greg was saying, you can still do an apprentice apprenticeship, mastership type thing under someone if it's some kind of trade. And I think more people should do that. I think there are advantages to that. Um, I feel like people have a preconceived incorrect notion that if you go into a trade, you're going to make a very low salary for your whole life and that you're not going to make a lot of money and you're going to be stuck in like a lower class blue collar place. But that's not necessarily true. I mean, you're not going to make like an insane amount of money, but you can do very well for yourself, get by, support your family, have a little bit of extra money. 
buy a decent house and live a very fulfilling middle class life. Um, and I think some people just college is not for them. They might be better off going to a trade school and earning a trade. They would be more fulfilled. They would feel like they were using their skills better than they would if they got a four year degree that they may not end up using at all. So, uh, this week, my supported claim is that we should, more of our high school graduates should go into some type of trade instead of all just going to college. Okay. I like this. I like this. However, my question is, I think the implication now is that if you go to college, you're almost guaranteed a better life, which you're saying is honestly probably just not true anymore. But well, everybody wants to go to college. Are you going to just, your hope is that we educate the students so that they know that that may not be the case anymore? Or are you going to, like, shove people into trade schools because, you know, their grades aren't up to par? I don't think there would be any um, initiative or thing that would force someone to a trade school that I would agree with. But I think we could do a better job of <clears throat> presenting that uh, that option to high school students. Because I, mean, I feel like when we were in high school, it was all, you need to go to college to get a good job. Mm-hmm. Everyone goes yeah. to college. And we had the trade school at- Athens High School, but I they talked like about a compelling like alternate. Maybe, oh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, they maybe talked to about it for like ten minutes once before we had to register for it, and I didn't even know where they what it was or everything that was offered out there. So that's true. Maybe they should have done a better job of educating us on what was available. That's somewhere that the county schools um, had a leg up. They, I feel like they had more sort of knowledge about what you could do. I mean, I went to tech school, but I went for drafting and design, which would just kind of help have helped me if I'd gone down that route in college. But there was machine classes there and stuff, and I feel like the county schools were sort of more involved, so they kind of had a leg up on us there. Right, right. I wonder, and this kind of relates back to your uh, the master and your master-protege relationship, uh, Dave, Mike Rowe, um, <laughs> talks about how maybe a, a good way to to solve unemployment would be to um, people that now have gotten, maybe have gotten a degree and don't find themselves a place in the workplace, like to send them back to a trade school and that being their way. I don't know. I feel like it's easy, easier to convince people who have had like a practical taste of the outside world after getting a degree or maybe like have a family member who's been through that kind of thing to, to get to go to trade school. I think that's kind of the alternative to like pushing people into trades is maybe some program like that or just a program of more education like they have in the county schools. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? That makes sense to me because, I mean, I've been looking for a job since I graduated and there's been times when, I, you know, you don't hear back from stuff and I think, well, maybe I'll just go to a trade school and I'll learn how to be a barber or make cabinets or something like that. So, I mean, that's definitely a that makes sense to me as a route to get more people into trades. But I also think it would be good if we just, people that are going to end up in a trade, they would be better off if they ended up going down that route earlier. So if there was some way to get the people that we feel like would be on that route, on the route earlier, that would be good. I don't know the best way to do that, though. Yeah, and I like the idea as well. However, in practice, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see a former attorney rolling it up his sleeves and deciding that he was going to be a plumber because he couldn't find any law jobs. I I don't know. I just don't see that happening. It's kind of a bummer, though. Like, all these... Like, we're aware that all these jobs exist. 
It's just, I don't know, we're paying people to be on un- unemployment. I mean, in some cases, because they, like, I don't know, like, they don't either have the money to go to trade school or they don't have the willingness, I guess in the case you brought up, Greg, to, like, go take the jobs that are there. It's just, and it's kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, Dave, like, what would an education program look like to encourage people to go the trade route? Or at least, um, like, what would you want from a um, from an educational program in way of maybe, like, some kind of class that is taught in high schools? Or would you want maybe people from trades to come in and talk on, like, a day or have a day where everyone goes and looks at trades or... I mean, what like what are the mechanics behind that? If you have any ideas for that, or you too, Greg? I have two different ideas on that. One would involve an entire like revamping of the education system, which I will address second. The first one, uh, like what you said, have people come in and talk about different jobs. I think that would be the easiest way in the system we have now. I know one of the most helpful classes I had at Auburn was a I don't remember the name of it. It was like a one of a local lawyer taught it. So he wasn't really focused on tests or all that kind of stuff. I mean, he gave us the required two tests and an essay that the department required. But his thing was he would do a lot of real-life examples from his... Uh, it was a criminal justice cra- class for context of while lawyer was teaching it. He would give us examples from his uh, line of work. But he brought in probably at least 20 different people that worked in various jobs in law enforcement like parole officers, he brought in some police officers, federal bro- federal probation officers, other judges, uh, other lawyers, just people from all around the field, and that was very helpful. So I think with the current high school education system, we could bring in more people from trades to talk, um, and I think that'd be the best way with what we have now. My other thought that would involve the revamping of the education system would just be, I feel like we focus too much on just math science history um and english slash literature which are good i think we should cover those in the uh 12 year kindergarten through high school public education system but i think we should also focus on some other things like instead of just high level math maybe also focus on some practical applications of math because not everyone's gonna use a whole lot of math in their life but teaching practical things like how to balance a checkbook or how taxes work, um, just life skills like that. And then I think more focus on different lines of work or paths you can go down while you're in your uh, <clears throat> public education program would be a good thing. So those are my two my two thoughts. Yeah, I agree with what uh, Dave said. I have a kind of more radical idea that I just thought of oh, man. as listening to Dave's good ideas. Um, so you guys remember in high school, you know, over the summer, we had required reading, right, for English? True. And we all hated it, right? Well, I mean, True. Most, most everyone I talked to hated it. I hated it almost so, but, as much as my mom hates me telling her about the books I didn't read in high school. <laughs> so that's probably a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, so what I'm saying is that kind of sets a precedent. A precedent for high schools to be actively involved in what you're doing over the summer and also requiring something from you over the summer. So what if high schools made it a requirement that over the summer you had to 
I don't know. They made it like kind of like a. I'm gonna put. I'm using air quotes, and because it's a podcast, you guys can't see. But just note that the words I say after this are in air quotes. A like summer class. That was the air quotes. Um, where you had to let's say find five people to shadow over each summer you're in high school. Like I feel like that would be beneficial because or not maybe not five like two, and then eight over the scope of your high school career. Like that would be a lot of job exposure and actually getting real world experience. And even if you thought you might want to do some kind of job and you were pursuing like like what Dave's talking about, like higher level math, and then you got to it and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Like at least you'd know then before you went to college for that specific purpose, whereas a lot of people figure it out in college. Hmm. I thought of another thing with you talking. I think people would even be willing to join like a a club at school or something, you know, like a, a trade club. And maybe they have weekly meetings and somebody comes in and tells about their job or after school they learn what exactly a trade does and what it takes to get into that trade and all that jazz. Maybe even teach some life skills like how to change your oil like Jacob taught us how to do incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) I needed the education. Yeah. See, so that's an interesting idea too. Yeah, I I like everything we're saying right here. So let's just go to Athens High School next time we're all in town and present this to Sibo. I mean, I know a guy. Is he still there? I thought he left. Maybe Sibo I mean, left. This is a sidebar for everyone that didn't go to Athens High School in North Alabama. So sorry about that. Yeah, but but you know we got to start somewhere, and Athens High right. School is what we know. Mm, it is what we know. All right. Well, that uh, I think that about does it for our supported claim section this week. We're going to step away one final time before we come back with our tips for you. All right, we're back here, and I see you. <laughs> Tickled myself. Well, what happened in that break? Apparently. Oh my! I'm at your house. I'm looking at you right now. Turn around. You're, I'm behind you. You're listening. You better watch out. All right. So now we are going to do our tip section. Coming at you first is Jacob Smith. All right, guys. I don't know if you know me well, but if you don't, you might not know that I like drinking coffee. It's something I picked up in college, and you can waste a lot of money on coffee if you're not careful. So today's tip is going to help you in a practical way, and that is to buy your coffee online. Thinking about, let's say, maybe you have a Keurig. Let's say maybe you even have just, you know, a regular at-home brew. I think you can find something for that too, and that also rhymed. K-Cups are available online for a much cheaper rate than if you buy them in the store. I've been buying packs of, let's say, 20 or so at my local Kroger. I love my local Kroger, don't get me wrong, but Amazon.com had San Francisco Bay coffee cups, and they are approximately 33 cents a K-cup, whereas the K-cups at Kroger are over 50 cents per K-cup. Now, you may be saying, Jacob, that's 20 cents. Like, why are you wasting my time? 
And I'm going to tell you that 20 cents over the scope of a whole year is more money than 20 cents over the scope of one K-cup. And that's all I have to say about that. That was impeccable math, and I'm an accountant. (laughs) Accountant endorsed. (laughs) Uh, I do think that we should reach out to Kroger for a sponsorship after you said their name like four times. So Mm -hmm. that was good. That was impressive. Uh, I I have bought coffee online before, and it turned out well. So why didn't you do it a second time? Uh, Well, this would not have been cost-effective. It was a drive-by truckers special blend that came in a neat cup (laughs) with the artwork they use on all their album covers that I bought through the Bitter Southern website. So maybe we can get three three sponsorships out of this podcast is the only reason I added that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Can you buy... Because a K-cup's different than... I don't have a Keurig. I just do it the... Not the old-fashioned way. I just have a coffee maker that uses right. grounds um which can get stale after a while so how can you well i guess you can because i have bought that online but can you buy that kind of amazon at a cheaper price see my supposition on that dave is i think like my k-cups are actually organic so you know the typical k-cup it has that plastic cover and i guess whatever for whatever reason this company went to a mesh on the bottom Mm-hmm. And they store them in vacuum sealed. I know packs why that is because they don't want them to go bad. Um, so I'm thinking you could just like even if you bought a bigger shipment of like I don't know what your typical Folgers would be, um, if you stored it separately like that and just used it as you went along, then it wouldn't it wouldn't go bad. That's I all. also have a professor who puts his coffee in one of those you know cereal container things with the sealable tops. Yes. You know, what you know what I'm talking about? I do. So there you know that's an but, option. But I, I believe it exists. Yeah, it's just a thing you put in cereal when you put cereal in after you open it so it doesn't go stale as quickly. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Also, now. side note, they put the mesh on the bottom because it's more eco-friendly than having all the plastic of the little K-cups. Oh. So good for them. How, being how thoughtful. Guys, I have, uh, I have looked it up on my Amazon app. That on was my fast. Apple iPhone. <laughs> so if Amazon or Apple wants to reach out for a sponsorship, um, they can. They can and get in can line indeed. behind Kroger. You can indeed. That's fine because all lines are fast at Kroger. Kroger. You can line indeed. fast. <laughs> you can indeed buy regular ground coffee. Like I'm looking at a. Uh, this is called the Deathwish Coffee Company. Deathwish Ground Coffee, the world's strongest coffee. Fair trade and USDA certified organic, sixteen ounces. Um, which I'm intrigued by this i may buy it but you can also buy just um regular folders in a can wow huh so death wish coffee sounds deadly so i don't know i don't know about that dave i don't want you to die yeah there is but if you do it do it on air so we can all listen (laughs) i saw a video of the world's strongest coffee um that they make and it was like four shots of espresso mixed with some cold brew that had been sitting for like a week in the grounds and they were like it's half the lethal dose of coffee (laughs) like caffeine oh so i guess Um, the lethal dose does exist yeah i wonder how they i wonder how they calculated that yeah it was was experimentally found i was was a little suspicious of that science but uh (laughs) but you have to go to a foreign country for it so i'll probably just stick to buying this death wish coffee and seeing what it's about there you go well, next next week you can update us on how that goes for you. 
But for now, I'm going to give you my closing tip. You know why tip. I can update you in a week? Oh my gosh, why is that, Dave? Because of Amazon Prime, where you can get free shipping and get stuff delivered really quick. What up, Prime? Get at us. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, okay, so my closing tip is going to get a bit more personal. I learned recently that getting letters is just nice because I got a letter in the mail from a friend from far away and uh, it was just uplifting to go to my mail usually it's just junk in there or coupons and there was a nice letter addressed to Gregory Swanner which doesn't happen very often so that led me to write letters to other people which I haven't done yet but I'm going to do that and also I have more evidence for this I sent thank you letters after getting all my graduation gifts and all of my grandmother's friends told my grandmother how great it was to get a letter from me in the mail. So, overall, I just literally see no downside to surprising someone with a letter in the mail. Yeah, I like that. This is, I like the idea of getting a letter. Um, well, that sounded sad. Writing a letter? Yes. Okay, I like the idea of getting a letter, and therefore I will write more letters to people. <laughs> Tis better to send <laughs> than to receive, finish. Dave. Yeah, but uh, I like, I like, I like, I like that idea. So while we were talking, I, I uh, typed. We have a little ongoing uh, Slack chat, is what it's called, and I I petitioned my uh, banter colleagues for their addresses. I think we should start a little letter thing. And guys, if if we can muster it up, I think you listeners as well can muster up the courage to send someone a, an old fashioned letter. There's a bunch of like really funny ninety nine cent cards at CVS or Walgreens. Your, your local neighborhood drugstores. <laughs> and so you can go there and get a 99-cent letter and just plop a little stamp on there and send it away, and that would just be nice. So, Greg, what you're saying is at the corner of Happy and Healthy, you can get a card for 99 cents? That's right, Jacob. Now, Jeez. Greg, I'm, I'm not positive on this, but at Walgreens, can you both buy prescription drugs, your, all your grocery needs, and print pictures that need to be developed? Also correct, Dave, but not cigarettes because they care about your health. Man, hmm. what a company. What a company. All Time right, for Dave. A live, live recording at Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> Literally none of us know what Dave's closing tip is going to be, so let's find out together, Dave. Let's talk about equipment. <clears throat> we all Audible have, gasp. So we all have various pieces of equipment, and my closing tip is that you should... I'm not saying you should be a master of how to repair everything because, I mean, not everyone can do that. I think that if you have certain things that can be basically fixed, you should learn how to fix them. And this this came to me today as I was selling some guitar stuff to buy some other guitar stuff, which is something I enjoy doing. But uh, one of the guitars I took to Guitar Center, the pickup in the neck had a wire, I believe, that was not attached and it wouldn't work. So they couldn't even consider buying it off of me unless it was in full working order. So I've come home, and I'm like, well, I don't want to pay to get it fixed, because it's not a crazy expensive guitar. So I'm going to learn how to fix it myself, which I feel like will be something that will benefit me my whole life of buying guitars, so I'll be able to fix them. So what I'm saying is you should learn how to do basic repairs to the equipment you have. And just, you know, for solidarity's sake, that is a Epiphone Wildcat, um... With a Vigsby Brabroa arm, so if Epiphone or Bigsby wants to sponsor this podcast. But I'm going to learn how to solder that wire back on and fix it, and then sell it to Guitar Center to buy another guitar. But this could spread to any other equipment you have in your house. Um, 
just being able to fix it on your own will save you some money and it's a I think just a good thing to be able to do. I agree, Dave. I hate when my equipment breaks down and I'm not able to use it for an extended amount of time. So it'd be nice if I could fix it on the spot. All right, so there you have it for our tip section. We're now going to start buying our coffee online to save some extra cash. We're going to start sending our loved ones letters, and we're going to start fixing our equipment ourselves to, again, save some money. So don't say we've never tried to save you money as you pay us for this podcast, hopefully, eventually. Now, just like always, we're going to take you out on some tunes And with the song of the week is our main man, Dirty Dirty Dave. Hey, it's me, Jacob, with our song of the week. Just kidding. It's it's, it's actually me. It's not Dave. But that being said, I do still have a song for you. Don't be disappointed. Because this week's song is by Steve Winwood. Now, when we were talking about this podcast earlier, I, you know, thought that maybe Steve's name was Stevie. But uh, I was incorrect. It's it's Steve. That being said, his song "Back in the High Life Again" was in my 1995 Buick Riviera until I sold it and forgot it was in there. And it was one of my favorite discs to just you know throw in there and listen. It's got one uh, on that same disc is a song called "Higher Love," which you may have heard before. Um, but one of the more under underappreciated songs is called back in the high life again and it's you know it brings back some good memories of a time when we took a break this summer from the podcast and now we're back at it you know we're back in the high life again so rock out to this happy happy season two episode three you are the movement if the squirrel hops twice that means it's winter in argentina